Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, January 19th. Coming up, the cost of eggs rose more than that of any other food product last year. It's a ripple effect of the deadly bird flu that hit flocks across the U.S. We lost 44 million laying hens last year because of avian influenza. Plus, surviving COVID-19 doesn't always mean a return to full health. Finding specialized treatments for the symptoms of long COVID can be daunting. It's awful. Feeling like a failure. Feeling like you can't function. Feeling like not even smart anymore and feeling like the doctors just think that you're crazy. We'll hear about specialized long COVID centers and what it means for Kansas to be one of the only states without one. But first, some headlines. Residents of three local cities will have the opportunity to vote in April on whether to add an additional sales tax on recreational marijuana. KCUR's Chris Fortune reports. The North Kansas City, Independence, and Blue Spring City Councils have voted to put a 3% city sales tax on recreational marijuana on the April ballot. Independence City staff estimate the additional sales tax would bring in up to $600,000 a year with room for growth. The new local tax would be on top of the existing 6% state sales tax on marijuana. Elections in each city will be held April 4th. The pipeline company that spilled nearly 600,000 gallons of crude oil in north-central Kansas says it's cleaned up most of it. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. TC Energy estimated that it spilled 588,000 gallons of crude oil when the Keystone Pipeline burst on December 7th. The company says crews have recovered more than 85 percent of that. More than 800 workers are on site. Much of the work is focused on Mill Creek, several miles of which are undergoing intensive cleanup. Another Missouri man has been charged for allegedly assaulting an officer during the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Kayvon Mansouri has more. Federal prosecutors charged Kyler Joseph Bard of Seneca, Missouri, with two felonies for assaulting a Capitol police officer during the riot. According to court filings, an officer's body camera footage shows Bard walking along the ledge of the Upper West Terrace of the U.S. Capitol, carrying a megaphone and telling others to push against a line of police that had formed a barrier. Bard allegedly shoved an officer to the ground during the riot, according to court documents. He is the latest of at least two dozen Missourians facing charges for participating in the attack on the Capitol. Prosecutors say he was identified through an online database using photos captured during the insurrection. A federal judge has not sentenced a former University of Kansas professor to any additional prison time for concealing his work with a Chinese university. The charge against Feng Franklin Tao came from a since-ended Trump administration program created to stop China from taking American academic research. The conviction for making false statements was because Tao did not tell KU about his relationship with Fuzhou University in China. Federal prosecutors were pushing for the former chemical engineering professor to get two and a half years in prison. They cited hundreds of thousands of federal research dollars lost because of Tal. Tal's defense lawyers asked for his sentence to be time served, pointing to the loss of his reputation and that there had been no violations since his arrest. Tal had also been convicted of three other counts, but a judge threw those out last year, citing a lack of evidence. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. 
Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Consumers may have gotten used to seeing higher grocery prices in the past couple of years, but the price of eggs has risen more sharply than others. Egg prices in December were up almost 60 percent over the same time last year, according to the Consumer Price Index. Kendall Crawford reports for Harvest Public Media on what's behind the increase. When you walk through the doors of the Sugar Shack Bakery in Sioux City, Iowa, you can smell the assortment of cakes and cookies on the shelf before you see them. All right, two caramels uh, and two And to make each sweet-smelling treat possible, it takes a whopping 300 eggs every two to three days. Lately, that's meant a much higher bill for Claudia Hessa, the bakery's owner. She says she's been spending more than double on them. And she says she can't double or triple sales to make up for it. You just can't. It, you, you wouldn't, you'd be out of business. You'd be able to sell it. So it's like, yeah, what do you do? The average cost for a grade A large carton of eggs hit $4.25 last month, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. This time last year, it was less than half that. Egg prices have risen more than any other food product, according to the Consumer Price Index. It's the largest we've seen in any category for quite some time. That's Pat Westoff. He's the director of the Food and Agricultural Policy Research Institute at the University of Missouri. He says egg prices are typically more volatile than other food commodities. So it takes a pretty big increase in price to convince people not to buy quite as many eggs. So uh, a relatively modest percentage decline in production has resulted in a very large percentage increase in prices. Inflation has hit all food prices. That's because of supply chain disruptions, the war in Ukraine, and high labor wages. But the supply of eggs also shrank, and that really impacts cost. That's exactly what happened after a deadly bird flu hit egg layers, says analyst Maro Ibaburu of the Egg Industry Center. We lost 44 million laying hens last year because of avian influenza. So... That creates a reduction on the, on the number of eggs that can be produced. Avian influenza is deadly for entire flocks. When the virus is detected in one bird, federal law requires that all remaining birds be culled to keep the highly pathogenic virus from spreading. And 2022 marked one of the virus's deadliest outbreaks. New at noon, a disaster proclamation is issued for a county in northwest Iowa over the bird flu. The proclamation from Governor Kim Reynolds impacts... Last March, one of the country's biggest egg producers, Rembrandt Enterprises, had to call a flock of more than 5 million hens. The virus killed almost 15 million egg layers in just Iowa, which leads the nation in egg production. And major bird losses continued through September, right before winter, when eggs hit peak demand. The good news is that last month was likely the peak for prices as well. Iowa State University agricultural economist Lee Scholes says the USDA is forecasting better days. They do expect prices to decline some, maybe about 30 percent off these historically high levels in 2022. 
as we look at 2023 prices. That's if bird flu doesn't cause another disruption. Still, Scholz is hopeful. Buyers could be shelling out a little less next season. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Kendall Crawford. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. Clinics designed to treat the often baffling after-effects of COVID-19 have formed across the country. They combine a range of expertise for treating long COVID. But Samantha Horton of the Kansas News Service reports Kansas is only one of two states without one of those clinics. It's been over two years since Barry Geyer came down with COVID on his farm in northwest Kansas. And we were just out in the harvest field and I just got feeling terrible and so uh, I got home that one night. I said, I think I've got this stuff. Geyer was admitted into the hospital for a week. It would be about a month before he was back out on the farm. Nine months for a sense of taste and smell to come back. And he's still waiting for his stamina to return. Well, I'm claiming green bands and moving augers and stuff around the day by myself here. And yeah, it just it just takes, takes all your breath away doing all that. And just have to stop and wait for a little bit, get caught back up and then... And keep plugging along. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that one in five American adults who had COVID-19 developed long COVID. That means about 200,000 Kansans. Finding specialists to treat symptoms that can linger for years can prove daunting. Long COVID clinics are clustered, predictably in urban areas, usually in larger hospitals where expertise from different medical disciplines can combine their COVID know-how. And though nearly every state has at least one, Kansas and South Dakota currently have none. Catherine Burke works with the long COVID support group Survivor Corps. She says the shortage of clinics leaves people in rural areas often several hours away from the expertise that might restore their lung capacity or clear their brain fog. It is hard for people in more rural locations, less wealthy locations, to be able to access long COVID care simply because the medical clinics and medical centers around them simply may not have the funding or the staffing to dedicate time and money towards long COVID clinics. But living close to one can still mean long wait times. Kansas City area resident Debbie Hamilton tried to get into a now-closed long COVID clinic at the University of Kansas Health System, but was told she would have to wait three months. I had such high hopes, such high hopes, and, you know, to just felt like I had literally like, man, taking a beating whenever they told me that. Instead, Hamilton, even with her medical knowledge as a nurse, struggled to navigate through doctors and appointments. It's awful. Feeling like a failure. Feeling like you can't function. Feeling like you're not even smart anymore. And feeling like the doctors just think that you're crazy. It took about a year for Hamilton to recover enough to return to work. Dr. William Michael Brody with the Dell Medical School in Texas wants patients to avoid ordeals like the one Hamilton went through. That's what his long COVID care clinic is about. A specialized center can take a comprehensive and kind of 50,000 foot view of the patient. And if they still need that specialist, they can be integrated under the same care model. So you're not kind of wandering doctor to doctor, kind of getting pieces of information. While Kansas has no long COVID clinics, Missouri has five. Two in Kansas City, two in St. Louis, and one in Columbia. Dr. Zachary Holliday works at the Columbia Clinic, where patients might have their breathing capacity tested. 
The assessment includes pedaling on an exercise bike or walking on a treadmill before breathing into a tube. So this is a, what's called a spirometer. It measures lung function. And, and really what that boils down to is how much air can someone get in and out and how fast. But the clinic is only open one Thursday a month. But we try to do our best to get, get folks in as fast as possible. And if they can't see us in the long COVID clinic, what we've tried to do is actually get them still uh, access to the pulmonary clinic. Holiday says demand could be even greater because many people don't even know about the clinic. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Samantha Horton. KCUR's Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. You can find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Kendall's story about egg prices and Samantha's story about long COVID clinics, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news from around the region from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.